Paranorm podcast contains content that might not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. This is Paranorm Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Paranorm, the podcast where we chat all things true crime and paranormal. I'm Emily. I'm Sierra. And this week we are chatting about this serial killer known as Dr. No. But before we do, how the fuck are you, Sierra? It's been it's been an experience these past two weeks. Yeah. It's two uh, years. I, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, basically. Pretty much, yeah. You are an experience. That's me. <laughs> Super great. If we sound a little weird, that's because we are still figuring out, like, our setup um, at the new house. Um, so right now we are in our living room. I'm looking at my very well-decorated Christmas tree. Um, so, yeah, I have no shame in my game. <laughs> <laughs> it is very well-decorated. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, so Sierra's hanging in there, I feel like, right? You're mm-hmm. here? I'm good. Okay. I'm here. Barely, but I'm here. Um, we have no heat <laughs> right now, so mm-hmm. we're a little cold. Um, yeah, it's, Emmett has a heater, thank God. Yeah. Emmett is our fish. I don't know if we've said that yet, but, like, Emmett is our very large fish. Very <laughs> large. He's <guys>. very large. <laughs> like, the first thing everybody says when they see Emmett is, oh, my God, he's huge. Yeah. <laughs> like, the first thing. <laughs> moment one. Um, but, yeah, so we have had a, a very interesting couple of weeks uh, with moving, and um, Sierra's grandma sadly passed away, so that is why we are releasing this episode next week, um, just because there's a whole bunch going on, mm-hmm. um, but we are finally in, just no heat, which started today, the coldest day of the month so far, <laughs> 30, 37 degrees outside, um, it's supposed to get down to 30 tonight, so... <laughs> Hopefully by next week when this comes out, we'll have heat. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. One can only dream. Um, but let's see. What what has been going on other than the move? I feel like the move has just, like, swallowed us whole in, like, everything. I mean, I think that's really the biggest thing. I don't... Yeah. I mean, there's everything else. I mean, it's, you know, everything else is just... It, it is what it is. Normal. Yeah. Stuff. But like you said, we got in, everything's moved in. We're just organizing and putting stuff where it needs to go. And then like, running back and forth to our storage unit. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just so ridiculous how much stuff we have. And like the house that we were at was uh, a good bit bigger than this house now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's an extra person now, our wonderful roommate, Chloe, um, so it's just like merging our stuff again, mm-hmm. which when Sierra and I moved in together, we merged our stuff then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's very interesting. Pretty much the entire house is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, situated wise, except for mine and Sierra's bedrooms. Yeah. <laughs> I worked on it today, but like, I'm not anywhere close to being done, but it's definitely better. Put a lot of clothes away and like, just like. Went through a bunch of stuff and was like, why do I have this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. pretty much. Um, I decided at 3 o'clock this morning, I was like, hmm, 
let's see. I want to reorganize everything. There's a box right there. Let me unpack it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, shit. I have other people to worry about. And I think I've said this before, but Sierra is a really heavy sleeper. And um, I'm not too sure about Chloe and her boyfriend. So, (laughs) Uh, but it was confirmed tonight that I did not wake them up. So there is that. But yeah, so uh, you ready, Sierra? I'm ready. Hopefully my voice doesn't go out. For yes, ma'am. For what? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Oh, (laughs) that was terrible. (laughs) I wasn't like saving it up. I just... It it just came out? Okay. Sounds good. All right. So this week, as I said, we are talking about the serial killer known as Dr. No. Um, The sources that I have for this week are quite a few. So all of them, as usual, will be listed on the blog. Um, But... These are the ones that I got majority of my information from, mm-hmm. which were the Beacon Journal, the Chronicle, Reddit, and Wikipedia, of course, um, and Heavy.com, and shit, uh, Unsolved.com, and a short piece of, like, it was in, like, three or four different Unsolved Mysteries episodes, but, it like, they never, like, went into full detail about it, you mm-hmm. know? So it was, like, quite a few different episodes. Like, one was in season four, um, and there was one in season eight, and then there was two more, but I can't remember off the top of my head what episodes they were in, and Mm -hmm. I didn't watch those. Oh, and a quick thank you to our wonderful listener, Alejandra, for suggesting it, like, a couple weeks ago. She probably doesn't even listen anymore. She's just like, they're not going to cover this case. Goodbye. (laughs) Or maybe she's out there and she's she's just, just like, like, hoping... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this case just has so many like like twists and turns and it's just very very intricate and so mm-hmm. like I was just like I don't I don't know how the fuck I'm gonna do this so the week that I choose to cover it is the week that we are literally <laughs> dealing with a move and all whole bunch of other wonderful stuff um so yeah oh I know what I was going to say before guys I'm going to Disney World <laughs> I'm not going to tell you guys the dates because, like, safety concerns, but, like, I'm going to Disney World for the first time ever. Mm -hmm. Um, All expense paid, and I'm just so fucking pumped about life. I cannot wait. Um, But, yeah, so I just have to, like, scream that from the rooftops (laughs) because I'm so fucking thrilled. Yeah. You know? Um, Yeah. Anyway, back to this very (laughs) non-Disney World-approved topic. (laughs) (laughs) So, the we're just going to get right into it. You okay. ready? Yeah, you re- okay. I'm ready. So, the killings began in 1981 when the body of a young woman was found in Miami County on April 24th. After a forensic examination, it was determined that the victim died from strangulation, having received a head injury before, like before being strangled. Uh, yeah. Um, at the time of her discovery, no personal belongings or documents were found, making her identification, like, really difficult. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, fingerprinting wasn't, like, as widespread. Um, she was nicknamed Buckskin Girl from a tasseled buckskin poncho she was wearing. Um, and was assumed that she was a sex worker. So she was in a high-risk um, job field because, it, you know, police weren't trying that hard to find out who mm. she was because, yeah. you know, cops are shit most of the time when it comes to basically everything. Um, but in 2018, the victim was finally identified as Marcia King. So at least her family gets some sort of closure. Right. 
The next victim was 25-year-old. Again, this is this is what I found odd because, like, what are the chances of this? Um, Marcia Matthews. Isn't that so weird? They're both yeah. named Marcia. Yeah. Uh, whose body was found by a trucker one mile away from the Union 76 truck stop. She had died from a traumatic brain in- injury sustained after a beating with a blunt object. On July 20th, 1986, the body of a 23-year-old sex worker named Shirley Dean Taylor was discovered, who was also beaten and strangled to death. Um, before her dis- disappearance, she was seen at Union 76, where, um, according to witness reports, she went to meet a regular c- a client nicknamed Dr. No. And they never, like, established who this regular client was. Mm -hmm. Um, Her body was discovered a few miles from the place of disappearance with her underwear and shoes missing. Now, in December... What year was that? 1986. Okay, so December of that same year, -year 18-year-old sex worker April Barnett also went missing from the Union 76 truck stop. Her body was found, like, a couple days later. Uh, 70 miles from Austin town. As with the previous cases, the victim was beaten and strangled to death with some of her clothes missing as well. Which, that part of this whole thing just makes me really, really uncomfortable. Like, obviously, the, the women dying makes me uncomfortable, but, like, pieces of their clothing being taken because, like, just, like, another piece of, like, their dignity, you know, taken yeah. away. Yeah. Like, how much more can they, like, this dude, because we both know it's a dude at this point, um, like, can he humiliate them, you know? Like, yeah. it just, ugh, it really just skews me out. I can't stand it. A few days after, um, a 28-year-old sex worker named Jill Allen was found murdered in Illinois near Interstate 70. Despite the fact that she had been found in another state, she was deemed a victim of the same killer due to the, like, um... Like the, what's it called? M.O. Yeah, thank you. Um, Alan had also been beaten and asphyxiated with strangulation marks found on her neck. Her shoes, bra, and underwear were never found. Again, like, oh, really? Yeah. Because, like, most women, like, that's the areas, you know, that they want covered. So, like, it, it it just seems so humiliating to me, you know? It's not the right word, or just like I don't, I don't like just just like, another way to desecrate their memory. Like this is invas- going to be like invasive. Kind yeah, because this is going to be the way that these police officers are going to remember this one. You know, mm-hmm. so the next victim was 27-year-old Anne Marie Patterson, who went missing on February 7th, 1987. And I say like this, like the next victim that we know of. Because, again, this is the 80s slash 90s, so police officers and police, like, aren't really talking to each other in different counties and different states. So it might, it's, it's we're going to say it is, more widespread than it actually, like, has been confirmed, mm-hmm. you know? Because, I mean, I can't get any more explaining than that. Like, they don't communicate with each other. They didn't have the... Uh, resources to communicate with each other. Um, So we're going to go with them. There being more victims than what we'd know about. But um, the next known victim would be 27 year old Anne Marie Patterson, who went missing on February 7th, 1987 from Union 76. 
Um, Guys. Seriously. (laughs) Her semi-decomposed body was found 40 days later, 250 miles from Austin Town near Cincinnati. A week before the disappearance, Patterson had been arrested by police. At the police station, she gave information about a murder suspect and described his car. During the investigation, law enforcement agencies discovered that Patterson had made an appointment via CB radio with the client nicknamed Dr. No, whom she characterized as extremely negatively and then disappeared. From this, police and the media later coined the nickname uh, for, like, the serial killer, Mm -hmm. which really, really... Um, on August 10th, 1987, another victim's body was found in Inglewood. The victim's jeans and underwear were at her ankles, while the upper parts of her clothes were missing. According to the nature of the grass depressions and the tire tracks located at the scene, forensic experts determined that the killer threw the victim's corpse out of his car, and an autopsy revealed that the victim was a young woman, aged 20 to 25, she remained unidentified, but, like, she had tattoos, she had jewelry, she had, like, like identifying factors, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the bare minimum effort was put into finding out who these victims were. Like, that was until 2010 that she was identified as Paula Beverly Davis, 21, after relatives recognized her tattoos pictured from National Missing and Identified Persons System. Mm-hmm. So although she was included on the task force relating to the murders, um, it was like this task force was formed in 1991, um, additional theories exist suggesting a drug dealer's retaliation and an unknown woman seen in her company uh, like last seen in her company or an unrelated serial killer. So this is what I mean. It's like super murky on who and like what can be involved because again, it's over state lines. It's over a long period of time. So things get muddled, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, so like it's again, a high risk workforce you know so it just it gets kind of like I said muddled with well could this be in it or this or and you know the 80s or what the the bloodiest decade or whatever so like there were a lot of things happening but of course satanic panic which is my favorite things ever to talk about (laughs) But, yeah, so it just, it gets really muddled with who and what can be involved and which victims are whose. Um, I mean, justifiably, like, in a justified manner or just because people don't know what the heck's going on? Both. So, um, on November 22nd, 22, LaMonica Cole was discovered at a truck stop in Breezewood, Pennsylvania. Despite the fact that the truck stop was located on another interstate, Cole was included as a potential victim because she had died from strangulation, was an Ohio native, and some of her things had been recovered while others had not. So again, it gets kind of muddled, um, which, which I'll go into in a little bit when I talk about like the suspects, but so many things again so many things were left out and like they want to close as many cases as possible Mm -hmm. you know so like they don't have this on their plate and they can like you know lower their rates and all that good stuff um 
so they're like, oh, this woman's strangled. It must be Beth. You know? Yeah. Um, so, LaMonica's pimp, a 24-year-old Derek Mims, told police that the alleged killer with whom Cole left on the day of her disappearance was traveling in a blue semi-trailer truck with white stripes. Um, so that was, like, the first real description, even though it wasn't of the dude. Mm-hmm. Um, then 31-year-old Terry Rourke, Rourke was murdered on March 29, 1989. No, I'm sorry, 1988 in New York. Her body found on one of the bridges passing through the Mohawk River. The medical examiner found that the woman died after a traumatic brain injury that occurred during a beating with a blunt object several hours before the discovery of her body. Some of Rourke's clothing, including underwear and shoes, were never found, leaving investigators to include her into a list of potential victims for Dr. No. On April 19, 1990, another female's body was found near a truck stop on I-70. Most of her clothes were missing. However, her panties remained. An autopsy concluded that she had died from a traumatic brain injury resulting from a beating and had sexual intercourse 12 to 24 hours before her death. So we don't know if that's consensual or if it was Mm -hmm. non-consensual. With these conclusions, the investigator suggested that the victim was a sex worker and had fallen victim to the serial killer. Despite multiple attempts to identify her, she remained unidentified with the placeholder name Jane Doe 2 until her identification as Patrice Anita Corley, who was 29, in 2017. Um, Now, this is the case that brought, like, the whole shit show together, uh, which was all by happenstance by a crime reporter named Michael Barron, who was starting to do research for a newspaper article about serial killers for the Columbia Dispatch, which is like a newspaper. Um, now, I want to go ahead and state that there are quite a few quotes that I'm about to say in a minute in here that from people using the wrong terminology, uh, this next statement being one of them. I know that prostitute is not the correct terminology. I know it is not an okay term to use. However, this is a <laughs> this is a white man um, in the 80s slash 90s. So here we go. Yeah, a lot of victim blaming about to happen as well. Uh, I just wanted to like preface that. So quote: I remembered a statement that an FBI agent had once said that prostitutes make the ideal serial killer victim because they're transient and often dis- their disappearance. And often their disappearances aren't reported immediately. So I started looking at prostitute deaths across Ohio, primarily using the newspaper stories as a way to track those deaths, end quote. So he, Barons, began to cross-reference unsolved murder cases in Ohio and to, like, his surprise and basically everyone else's surprise, a distinct pattern began to emerge almost immediately Eight women in eight different counties had been beaten or strangled to death. Each was found alongside a major interstate. Each was known or suspected to be a sex worker, and each was known to have worked at truck stops. Okay, so he figured out this victim pool. He figured out this dude's M.O., this sick fucker. So now with this thought process beginning, homeboy, 
homeboy barons, um, started to dig a little deeper in the sex worker world that was slash is truck stops. Uh, because as you and I pretty know, pretty well know from our uh, many travels uh, <laughs> to gas stations slash truck stops, they're like their own little ecosystems. Mm-hmm. You know, them bitches have everything. Yeah, like, they can, yeah. And seriously, especially, what's the, oh, the Flying J. Yeah. Those things are intense. Yeah. Um, so, now Homeboy Barons says that he has discovered a flourishing sex for sale industry at tar- truck stops throughout the state. And um, how it would work would be, like, sex workers would work off of the CB radios as was stated earlier, and it was all done anonymously. Anonymously, there we go. The sex worker will get on the radio and give her handle and some, like, little catchphrase that she has developed and, like, her little trademark, you know? Mm -hmm. And the truck will answer back and say, yeah, like, say, like, um, yeah, this is Blue Peterbilt in row three, come meet me. And she would go off in the truck. And then usually once she gets in that truck, she'll use that trucker's CB to contact her next client. Um, So after researching this, Homeboy gets his piece. And 10 days later, like, he gets his, like... Radio? No. Uh -uh. No, like, Homeboy Barons. Yeah. The journalist. Yeah. He, like, gets his piece, like, all together and everything. Yeah. Um... Yeah, thank you. Uh, then 10 days later, the Ohio Eternity, Eternity, <laughs> Attorney General um, and the Buckeye State Sheriff's Association formed a special task force. Ohio Attorney... Oh, my God, why can't I say that today? I've literally, how many times have I said that? And I can't, I can't get with it. Okay. The Attorney General, Lee Fisher, learned that counties within Ohio were not communicating properly. Big surprise. Super shocked. Um, Quote, we're finding out that what is happening and what was happening in one county was not necessarily being told to another. And a clue in one county that may have meant nothing may have meant a great deal in just a county adjacent. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. According to Michael Barron's, another alarming clue in this case suggests that the disturbing possibility about the killer's identity. Quote, the killer scatters these bodies, and that's a big question. Why? There have there has even been speculation that the killer could be a security guard or even a police officer who knows enough about, like, police investigative techniques, mm-hmm. which would make sense because, you know... It's not common knowledge that police officers at this time don't really communicate with, like, the ones adjacent to their county, you know? Like, that's not something the normal, everyday person kind of thinks about. Like, it's just not. Um, or at least I think it's not. Right? I don't know. Uh, I guess, no. Like, you don't really, like, most people don't think about police, like, unless they are interacting with them. So. Yeah. So, at least two of the victims were seen getting into a black or dark blue Peterbilt tractor, possibly pulling a refrigerated trailer. Mm -hmm. It totally looked like somebody just pulled up in here. Um, The driver may have used the CB handles Dr. No, Stargazer, or Dragon. 
During the course of the investigation, police interviewed hundreds of sex workers, pimps, and um, service station employees, as well as truck drivers in an attempt to find witnesses and identify the offender. According to witnesses, though, the killer appeared to be a tall man with a lot with like fair skin, dark hair, age 25 to 40. So, you know, every white man. Mm-hmm. Um, he wore glasses and talked with an accent of matching that of somebody from the northeastern states. The vehicle he was driving was described as a 1984 silver truck with a wind blocker and a red hood. The Ohio State Police Department and volunteers from various silver, civil, civil society organizations posted over 4,000 photographs of the victims and the Okay, so this is what I wrote in my notes. Identity, that's it. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so um, like the like identifying factors of the offender mm-hmm. at 130 truck stops and service stations across the state and 1,350 truck stops in nine other states throughout which the interstate motorways were like the serial killer mm-hmm. was thought to have ridden through, offering a $10,000 reward for information about him. As a result, five people were detained who at different times were nicknamed Dr. No, mm-hmm. but subsequently no charges were ever filed against any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, now, those names were, like, heavily speculated, mm-hmm. so you know what I love to do. I love to speculate. Um, so here are some of those speculations, and I want to, like, lay into that more as Sierra yawns over me right now. Um, these are speculations. Mm-hmm. Um, so in April 1991, a resident of Lake County, Ohio, 36-year-old Alvin Wilson became a suspect. Wilson, who worked as a trucker and owned two tractors, was among those whose hair samples matched some of the ones found on the victims. Mm-hmm. Credit card receipts and other evidence and other evidence indicated his possible responsibility for the Ohio murders. Um, in 1990, he was arrested in, on charges of assault, attempted murder of a woman in October 1989. Um, after his arrest, the girl contacted police, stating that in 1986, Wilson had picked her up from Akron. Is that how you say that? Yeah, Akron. Um, after paying for her services, had beat her and attempted to strangle her afterwards. So it fits in line. Right, yeah. Um, Wilson Wilson was tested for any involvement, but those results were inconclusive. Yeah. So it could still be yes, or it could be no. Yeah. You're echoing really bad right now. We can move the chair closer to you so you don't have to sit up. Okay, say something. I hurt my hip really bad, and I should not have done that. <laughs> that was not a good idea on my part. Oh, sorry. Okay. Oh, that sounds much better. Okay. So, in June 1994... Okay, no, hold on. I'm sorry. I skipped ahead, guys. Um, that same year, being 1991, uh, the... Police also looked at a long-haul trucker named John Fontenberry. He was arrested for several murders committed across four states. He was briefly considered a suspect in the killings, but was later ruled out as his um, M.O. and victim profile were way too different. Mm. Um, And I know I just kind of skipped over him, but I'm going to talk about him later at a later date. So that's why I just kind of like, boop. 
cute. Mm-hmm. Um, in June 1994, a 36-year-old trucker from Ohio named James Robert Cruz Jr., and you know how I feel about people with multiple names. They're automatically psychos. Um, He was convicted in the March 1993 murder of 17-year-old Don Marie Bernbon. I feel so terrible when I can't pronounce victims' names. I feel like it just, like, fucks with them a little bit more. just makes me feel so bad. Um, So, in Center County, Pennsylvania, whose body was found along Interstate 80, the girl's body was discovered a few days after her death. Since most of her clothes were missing, Cruz was considered a possible suspect in the Ohio killings. Um, he was tested, but subsequently no charges were filed against him. Okay, so uh, we had to pause again because my mom is playing with my emotions right now and just sent me a picture of Maggie. I don't know if we've said this. I don't think I've said this, but at our new home... Um, It is breed restrictive, so Maggie Mae is not able to stay with us, and it is slowly crushing my soul, my black soul, at that fact, but um, my soul nonetheless. Um, So yeah, my mom just sent me the cutest picture ever of Maggie Mae and um, her best friend ever, Piper. So I'm going to cry about it later. It's fine. We're fine. Anyway, on to more sad things. Um, Cruz was ruled out. Um, and no charges were filed. Now, in 1995, 28-year-old Sean Patrick Goble, a trucker from North Carolina, who had admitted to killing two sex workers from Tennessee in April of that year, was among the suspects for the murder of a North Carolina woman in early 1995. As a trucker, Goble traveled to several dozen states across the country where cases of disappearances and murders of sex workers along interstate highways were recorded. Following his arrest, Goebel was investigated for for murders in at least 10 states. Well, yeah. So, nevertheless, he was cleared of suspicion of being the elusive Dr. No, since at the time of the first murder in 1981, he was still in high school, and in the mid-1980s, when majority of the killings took place, he was serving in the Army and was stationed outside of Ohio. Gotcha. So, um, in November 2005, on the basis of DNA profiling, authorities re- arrested 46-year-old Delmas Colvin, which I, it's just a very <laughs> unsettling name, you know? And I love judging assholes harshly off their names. <laughs> so a truck driver who killed at least five sex workers in Toledo. Colvin later admitted to killing at least two others in New Jersey, but like adamantly denied mm-hmm. any involvement in the Dr. No murders during the 1980s. Um, now, on most of the corpses, biological traces that were discovered, according to investigators, came from the perpetrator. Um which I don't know how they would know that if these women were sex workers, but I guess they knew it nonetheless, or that's what they were going with. Um, To establish if the sperm had the same affiliation, a forensic examination was carried out, which gave mixed results due to the fact that all the victims had, like I said, engaged in the sex worker life. Right. Um, And authorities started questioning whether the deaths were actually related since no other incriminating evidence was found at the crime scenes, such as fingerprints, hair symbols, and pieces of clothing, and the investigation was considered inconclusive. Mm. Yeah. 
So the investigation to this day hasn't established the killer's identity. That was until 2019. Are you falling asleep on me, ma'am? Yes. Wake up! <laughs> we have one more episode to record. I don't know if I can make it. Oh my god, what are we gonna do? I don't know. Oh no. I'm listening intently and trying to follow along. <laughs> I'm also dying over here. Sierra's falling asleep on me, guys. You need a minute? I don't know. No? I don't think a minute's gonna help. Okay. Anyway, in 2019, the case broke. Um, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> there we go. There's some interaction from her, guys. Um, 49-year-old Samuel Legg was arrested in Arizona using DNA what? profiling. Arizona? I know, right? Like, where the fuck did that come in? Um, using DNA profiling, law enforcement agencies were able to prove his guilt in four of the murders in Ohio and Illinois, the first of which he committed at age 20 in 1989. His initial arrest, arrest was due to a match for an unresolved unsolved unresolved we're gonna go with both uh, 1997 rape of a minor in medina county ohio where he was extradited to stand trial in the fall of 1990 leg was suspected in the murder of his stepdaughter 14 year old angela hicks in elleria we're gonna go with that but there wasn't enough evidence uh, he wasn't charged though um, although the likelihood of him being Dr. No is low since Leg was a teenager in the mid 1980s, I'm not going to like completely say it wasn't possible. Um, it has been suggested that he could be responsible for some of the murders. So on Thursday, February 13th, 2019, the former big rig driver stood trial before a Medina County court judge on charges that he raped a 17 year old girl near a truck stop outside of several 22 years ago. Um, hours later, about 70 miles east, in Mahoning County, officials announced that Legg's indictment for the murder of Sharon Lynn Kadirsky, there we go, who was found dead in Austin Town truck stop in 1992. So officials have said that the DNA also links Legg, who most recently lived in Chandler, Arizona, to three other homicides, two in Ohio and one in Illinois. All of the victims were women left naked or partially clothed at truck stops, mm -hmm. um, investigators said, but they have not yet revealed when or where those deaths occurred. Uh, during the mid-80s, like when Leg was still a teenager, and the 1990s, investigators across Ohio found an alarming number of sex workers slain near the freeways, which is what I said earlier about them not being sure, like, what fits in where, you know? Yeah. Now, some investigators at the time suspected a serial killer was using his job as a truck driver to prey on women, mm -hmm. which would fit because Leg was a truck driver. Um, officials said this week, that this week being February 2019, like, I think it was, I said the 13th, so like the week of Valentine's Day. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> it's a made-up holiday anyway, so... Um, Okay, so they said that the 17-year-old alleged that Leg at a Medina County truck stop told investigators her attacker was a trucker. So she said she had met with him while she was hitchhiking home to Lexington, Ohio, after visiting her boyfriend in Cleveland. Mahoning County officials Thursday didn't speculate on how Leg met Kadirsky, but said they had no reason to believe that she was involved in sex work. 
Kadirsky worked as a bookkeeper or like an income tax preparation field in Mm. Pembroke Pines, Florida from 1979 until 1982. And her former husband told the South Florida Sun Sentinel that she was last seen alive in South, South, like Southeast Florida um, on a friend's doorstep in October 1989. Now, no one knew who Kadirsky's like, was when her body turned up 1,200 miles away three years later in Ohio. She was found beaten and perhaps strangled at an Austintown truck stop. A coroner's report said she died from choking on her own blood. Kadirsky's body wasn't identified for 21 years Holy until... Cow. Right? Until her family's quest to find her collided with new efforts by a former Mahoning County coroner to put a name to the unsolved case. Like, a, not even, like, a investigator, a right. coroner. Yeah. Um, about 2011, around that time, Kudirsky's daughter submitted their own DNA to a database called National, called the National Missing and an Unidentified Persons System, or NAMIS. Funded by the U.S. Justice Department, NamUs allows the public and law enforcement to provide DNA samples to the database in an effort to identify missing persons and unidentified uh, remains. Mm-hmm. There is no charge um, separately, but this at the same time, like around the same time, the Mahoning County Coroner submitted DNA from the Kadirskis' unidentified remains to NamUs as well. And there was a match. So Kadirsky was identified, but <laughs> investigators didn't reveal her potential killer was leg until like Thursday. Thursday that would be the thirteenth. Yeah. Um Thursday, February thirteenth, twenty nineteen. I keep wanting to say twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Like it just keeps wanting to come out. So yeah. that's why I keep pausing. Um until now, Leg appears to have had no serious run-ins with the law, except for the fact that he may or may not have killed his stepdaughter, you know, no biggie. Um, records shows that he's lived in Cleveland, Massillon, Elyria, and Arizona. Officials had said he has had a commercial truck driving license and worked for an independent trucking company, crisscrossing much of the state um, and country for his job. The Chronicle reports that Leg has been married four times and was living in a group home in Arizona. According to the newspaper, authorities said that he has issues with schizophrenia and has been a transient in Florida and Texas. Nice. But he did not have a serious criminal history. So... Authorities say they focused on Samuel Legg because of his familial DNA that is relatively new and controversial method, which is how they caught the um, Golden State Killer. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of his family members like submitted DNA to like a like an mm-hmm. Ancestry.com site. Gotcha. Um, then they map out the family tree of the suspect and use traditional investigative techniques to figure out who like, fits within their parameters, you know, in the cases, like, in the case or cases. So, the familial DNA was apprehended, um, the man accused of being, like I said, the Golden State Killer, and it has been used to pinpoint suspects in other cold cases throughout the county or country. I think that is just so fucking neat. Like, you bitches can't hide anywhere now. Right, yeah. <laughs> because everybody's like, let me try the Ancestry.com. And, like, 
people give it as gifts now. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just wild. And I really wish you guys could see Sierra's face right now. <laughs> because I swear to God, I've looked over there like twice and she is just falling the fuck out. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. I mean, I know what's wrong with me, but I don't know why. <laughs> it's the, so earlier, I think Sierra's kind enough to cut this out, but I have been having, like, breathing problems this whole episode because I'm so cold. I think it's Sierra's, like, oxygen flow to her brain from being so cold. She's <laughs> passing out. I'm having trouble breathing. We're doing great, guys. <laughs> You're so welcome. Um, anyway, this is the last sentence, Sierra. Oh, for you. this episode. You're I mean, so I, welcome. I, I, I have enjoyed it, but I'm just like... <laughs> okay, so now this is where things... I know we already said this was speculative, but this is where okay. they get more speculative. Okay. Um, so during the years where Dr. No was active, Leg was an actual teenager. I know I stated that before, but I just need to like revisit okay, that. Okay, yeah. Um, so it's not really clear if he was responsible for all of them. Right. Which would make sense given the lack of information sharing that is happening, like, within police departments at that time. And I know I keep harping on that, but it's true. Like, there are thousands of cases of, like, rape cases, of murder cases that could have been solved if police departments, one, would have taken them seriously, two, would have communicated with each other, and three, not looked down on the victims mm-hmm. and the survivors. Like, just because they are in a high-risk field doesn't mean that they don't, like, they don't deserve... That they matter any less. Exactly, thank you. Like, it just, oh my god, it irks me so bad. So, so bad. Um, like, these people deserve just as much respect. You know, they, they lost their lives. They deserve just as much. Yeah. Um, so that is the story of Dr. No. Hopefully I did it justice. <laughs> um, Crime Junkie does a really good episode on it. So if I miss something, go listen to that one. Fill in the blanks. Um, yeah, that's what I have for you guys this week. It was a big case. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm about ready to talk about some aliens, though. So that's our next case. Aliens. Yay. <laughs> I don't know if Sierra can stand it, though, because we're recording these back-to-back. Back. Go get some Diet Coke or something. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. All right, guys. Well, we will be back in just a little bit in your ears if you're listening to these back-to-back. Who knows? I can't believe we're almost to 22. I know. I still don't know what I'm going to do yet, though. We'll figure it out. We will. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you guys have a great day. Don't tell me to have a great day, though, because that's too much pressure. Have the day you have. (laughs) There we go. Sierra has started telling me that because the other day when she told me to have a great day, (laughs) my day... It was crap. Yeah, seriously. It just came to a crumbling halt. It was terrible. Um, So, yeah, she just told me to have the day that I have, and I fucking own that day, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah. All right, guys. Goodbye. Oh, wait, we forgot to plug everything. I I didn't know if you were going to do it or not. Oh, man. (laughs) Are you awake enough to do it? Do you need me to do it? No, I'm good. All right, list all of the things where they can find it. All right, so obviously social media, so Facebook and Instagram, Paranormal Podcast. um, That's where I put the pictures from the cases and then um, any important things that we need to share with you, such as 
funny memes or life crises that we are having. Yeah. And any like updates we have to have for you guys. And then we also have um, paranormalpodcast.com, which is our website that has our blog on it, which includes the pictures and the sources and uh, personal resources. Um, should you need them, are all on there. You can contact us through the blog. And we have like a little contact us like section of it. Um, so you can either use that or our email, paranormalpodcast at gmail.com. And then if you are um, interested in being a, a patron, we have a Patreon uh, page. Um, just find us at Paranorm Podcast. Um, but as always, uh, the best way you can help us is by sharing it with people you know. Do it. We dare you. Letting people know that we exist and... Um, <laughs> we exist. That just... we exist. <laughs> that would be great. And... Um, just showing the love that way. So thank you guys for listening. And like you said, we will be back in your ears. Because we are releasing two episodes this week. Yes. Big Wham- Mamma Jamma. special. There we go. There we go. I'm working all day Christmas, I hope. So you guys have a great Christmas. <laughs> or a holiday, whichever. Whichever one. Or don't. Or just... You know, sit in your pajamas with your animal or yourself. I don't really fucking care at this point. Um, Watch Netflix. Live your best life. Go team. Go team. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.